0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan. So you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about? You
1: Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We are here for another podcast this week. Yeah, there's no games, it's certainly in the Premiership happening, and yet we have two podcasts. How? How does this happen? Well, because we care that much. That's right, deeply. You see, it, some people might go, oh, we'll do podcasts when there's loads more games happening, and we do do that as well, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> let's do loads of podcasts when there's loads of games happening, because there's more to talk about. We care so much about you that we're thinking you've got less rugby to watch therefore more rugby time that you would love to fill
2: with something like this an extra podcast exactly well an extra co- podcast create created because that's the created no curated well we're curating they create do they not curate it? i said any questions uh, that yeah. be, it feels more accessible We're, we're splitting P. hairs. PR you know, marketing Pota- talk.
1: Potato, potato, yeah. yeah. Curated by you because this is based on emails that we have received to contactedchasers at gmail.com and myself, I'm Tim and him, JB. Hello, Tim. And him, Phil.
0: Hello, Tim.
1: Are going to field your thoughts and your questions and there's some good little conversation starters as well. But before we get into that, a reminder, we have now launched our Patreon channel where we humbly... Uh, ask for your support to make sure that when we can and when things return, we can do the kind of live events, live brunches, and how, live shows that we would love to do. And how much is the Patreon, Tim? Uh, well, three dollars per $3. month. So uh, whatever that is in equivalent, pounds and pence. In- I know we, we already have American... Uh, patrons that, that have got in touch, and we 're very grateful for that
2: so it, it is important because I mean the place that Tim Tim drinks in we would need what three patrons a month to buy you a single drink in most roof, uh, <laughs> most rooftop bars how many How many patrons would we need for you to stand around with, with Austin Healy?
1: <laughs> i can do that whenever i want JP. <laughs> uh, we uh we go to patreon.com forward slash egg uh one thing that i do want to flag up actually is what i put up there was our world rugby video when when the world rugby camera t- crew came on our tier two tour to bucharest in romania with us mm-hmm, they did to film us it's so funny watching that video again it, I, th- I think you get more enjoyment out of out of it if you watch, if, even if you've seen it before. Go and watch it again with us now telling you. I was so drunk.
2: Yes. During most <laughs> of those video <laughs> bits that we did. I don't think you was as drunk as me though, Tim. When World Rugby sent a, 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 a one of the vlogger people to record me and Phil talking about. Oh my our god. Thought, oh my god. Yeah. Talking about our thoughts uh, about the game. So the idea was me and Phil would go to a stadium in. Tokyo, maybe? To- Tok- Tokyo,
0: England, Argentina. England, Argentina.
2: Yeah. So we go there and we meet Juan. Is that my name? It was H- Juan the Man. Juan the Man, yeah. So really really nice guy that World Rugby set, sent over. He takes our thoughts uh, at the start of the game. Seems Before, fairly, yeah. fairly reasonable. Takes our thoughts midway, you know, at halftime. <laughs> no, I'd say warning flags <laughs> should have been raised you know at that point. That footage must exist somewhere. <laughs> oh it oh, does. No. I think um, I think James Abraham might have it somewhere. Um,
0: Hopefully, he's deleted every last trace. No, of that I will footage. be getting in touch with him. <laughs> uh, I want that footage.
2: And then, right at the end, after several uh, strong zeros, if you've not come across strong zeros due to Brexit and a new trade agreement with Japan, there is every chance we might be getting strong zeros very, very soon. If you thought coronavirus was, was serious, wait till Strong Zero stops uh, land, landing on our shore. The, uh, the real danger from, from the Far East. Um, so uh, they tried to interview us again. Uh, and I think I must have given them a good five minutes on why Spain should be here and not Russia. Uh, I, I don't know. I, like, we were so drunk that I had to cover one eye to what This isn't the first half, I had to cover one eye because I could see double. I couldn't actually work out what was going on. I can't remember the last time I was consciously so so drunk. But yes. And then
0: after the game, we both thought we'd lost each other. Um, <laughs> the, the stadium had emptied. We were waiting for Juan. Um, I probably fell asleep. Um, and I think I was on the big screen in this stadium as well. Uh, <laughs> JB could not find me, even though he's sitting two rows behind me in a totally empty stadium. <laughs> and could I have have a phone could not find me. Right? I, have a phone yeah. I know
2: Phil's sensible, so I thought, if I just stay here, Phil will come back. Of course, Phil's gone gone to sleep, so I'm sitting there for a good 15 minutes. Before Wait, I, so
1: so how, how far away were you? Literally him? two rows of
2: seats. Like 10 feet, less than 10 no, feet. Much less, less than, less way, way less. Two metres max. <laughs> Absolutely tops. Fifteen minutes waiting for him to come back. He's actually in front of me nodding off. Amazing. Yeah. I need to see that footage.
1: Uh, but the footage you can see, which isn't quite as dramatic as that, but nonetheless, when you know that we are gradually, so they film us in the morning after the first night in Bucharest, and my eyes are like pissholes in the snow. I'm, I'm so hungover, and you can tell when you watch it the video again. My skin is anyway, and then and then they film us on the day of our live pod when it starts all fine and by the end of it you just <laughs> we make no sense I'm really I'm really grateful to have seen that so anyway that that video is on our Patreon page uh, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers mm. and uh, help us um, yeah help us um, and one thing we are doing to launch this is having a shirt giveaway we have so many jerseys in the rugby dungeon I left JB the job pick a jersey JB
2: to give away Yep. Well, what we'll do is we'll tease it, and we'll come back to the two jer- the two jerseys in the runoff for the jersey giveaway later in a little bit. Okay, cool. Right. Hey Tim, before I, before we crack on, something yeah. really trivial and non and rugby. Where do you stand on TV and film spoilers? Um, if it's
1: current or recent, it's an absolute no no. You shouldn't do it. Uh-huh. Uh, if it's if you have if you haven't watched it a year after it's been on general release, then tough. It's on you.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So uh, a guy who um, has just cropped up up into my head now, a guy who came to Japan with us, and a guy we should talk about a lot more on this podcast, but we never do, my friend Steve. Um, He's (laughs) got a thing. (laughs) Spoilers. Um, And today he asked me not to spoil Grand Designs for him. Uh, in the past season also asked us not to give him the spoiler for wait for it Ross Kemp in Afghanistan. What did, what did he expect to happen to Ross Kemp in Afghanistan? And
1: uh, do you normally spoil um do, do, you, do you normally spoil not like location 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 for it or something? Yeah they give us several
0: houses <laughs> I've got, I've got to say, the last two weeks of Grand Designs have been amazing television.
2: Haven't I, they? Just I couldn't watch the really, last one. It was, it was really
0: difficult.
1: good. Uh, I've the, got I've got the last one to watch, and I, I gather it is a bit of a no
2: spoilers. Uh, they build a house. They, bu- they build a house, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, they build a dwelling, don't they? Really? No, I, I gather it's a it's a pretty. Um,
1: uh, Pretty powerful. It is a powerful yeah, power, is. telly Yes, but, yeah. but no
2: spoilers for Grand, for Grand Designs. I've learned right. my lesson today, Good. so no more of that.
1: Let's go to Luke Murphy then. Let's do that. Come on, that or oh, Smurf, as he's uh, as he's clearly known, judging by his email address. Hello to you, Luke Murphy, uh, who says love the love the Pod Boys uh, always helps me through the Monday. You are welcome. That's why we make sure it's there every Monday. Uh, being an Ulster fan myself, I was wondering how Phil ended up being an Ulster fan, considering he's English. I'm just curious, as it's not very common.
0: Um, it's a great question, and it, it um, harks back to first or possibly second season of the podcast when, uh, given that I didn't have any team that I supported, uh, we ran a little competition. Uh, well, for... and
1: the other context was that you'd retired through. Ah, through... uh, yes. But it was you'd retired from playing, and the reason you didn't have a club is because you were playing at Championship or National One level, and that that was that was the very reason. So you were, yeah. Exactly, as you said. Yeah, say. I was
0: looking for a club, and we had some incredible um, entries from fans all over the world, actually, um, writing in, giving a description, a reason why, um, or a series of reasons why I should support their club. And it was a close run thing, actually. And I remember no- uh, doing various rounds of knockouts and got down to a final two, which were can you remember the final two? Was it, was it, was it Bath and Ulster? It, it wasn't Bath; it was Ulster, obviously. And oh, I did. You... Gone, sorry. Le- Leicester.
2: Oh, was it? Didn't you have like? Thank, <laughs> thank
0: goodness, <laughs> I did not go for Leicester. That would have been even more traumatic than supporting Ulster for did the have, past did, seven years.
2: Didn't have some local club teams as, as well?
0: Yeah, there were. There was a number of, there was maybe. There's a few from um, America as well. Yeah. Uh, I think even some from Australia. Um, but yeah, ultimately went for Ulster. Yeah. Because it had the best,
1: it was the, the, the entries and the letters and the standard of uh, fandom that came in trying to get filled. Cause I think people recognized we could get our club talked about a it, lot,
2: a lot, a lot. And
1: uh, fair play, fair play for Ulster. And well, it's good to know it's paid off because Luke Murphy is listening. So, hmm. well,
2: uh, I, do you know what? We need to elevate music. That would be great for this. Little, you know, every, every time that we uh, read a question. So, Jim Walker, evening all, sitting here watching Bath Wasps. Okay, fair, fair enough. Eddie Jones has popped down to watch a match. Is this essential travel? Surely he can do his work from home. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not ideal, but doable. Just wonder what your thoughts were. Okay, so, so, Karen. So, <laughs> here would be my thoughts. Um... I think it's essential. Do you not think it's essential?
1: There are things you there are things you see at a stadium that you cannot see on television.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, okay. So I see why you don't think it's essential, and I think you see it's not. Comedians talk about this, and I'm sure that you get some of this, Tim as well which is when well, by the way I,
1: I am a key worker and if i wanted to i could travel to london for work too because you know because playing bon jovi
2: is uh, <laughs> is that important it really is it really is so I, I tell me if i'm wrong here but because your job is perceived to be fun even though you you work bloody hard it is perceived to be fun so people don't actually take it that you're working that hard do they they're like oh yeah cock is just off to watch a, a bt sport match or just on the radio
1: well, so the, the the radio and the and the TV are two very different disciplines. And in the in the in the case of TV, if you actually add up the quote unquote work I do in a program, it would come in about six to ten minutes mm. of actual work. But you what you have to understand there, and this is very different to the to, to radio. Uh, the pressure because you own because I only have say six minutes in a program. It's like you're live on the telly, and that minute thing that you do there, you have to nail that, <laughs> yes, I imagine yeah. you do because because well you've only got that one minute thing and I, 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 and the timings ev- the timings of everyone else is on it, so it's a different kind of pressure yeah. it's it's um it, it it sort of bumbles along very slow, very slow, not intense, but constantly your brain is thinking, and then boom, intensity and pressure
2: way up and you know that there is a, a a bunch of lesser podcasts with their thumb hovering over uh the twitter machine ready to go <laughs> on that one stumble yeah of course
1: but the um but the but radio for example doing the type of radio i do it's you know if i go oh that wasn't as good as i could have done i go all right well after i've played bon jovi
2: i'll do it better <laughs> <laughs> news weather sport uh but I guess the point is, everyone thinks it's fun. Um, and I guess you look at Eddie Jones' job as being the national rugby coach, you think, that's fun, that's not That's not essential. But it is essential for his job. And I think what we've learned about sport over the last few months, nearly a year now, is that we need to be entertained. And sports is important. So, yes, it is essential travel. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. I, Next question. Oh, go
0: on, Phil. Uh, just, just on that, I will say that um, just how many games Eddie Jones has been getting to I mean, last weekend he went to, he was at every live game, as in uh, it was three, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. Um, and this weekend, I'm sure he's at the Saracens Ealing game this yeah. weekend. So he is, he's working bloody hard, is Eddie Jones.
1: Yeah. Um, do you want to go with another question, JB? Uh,
2: yes. So Jack Penrose says sliding into your DMs once again a la Phil is that right Phil is that how you do it do you introduce that
0: Uh, I wouldn't like to give away my trade secrets
2: no no you'd do it from a burner account wouldn't you like a professional Um, I certainly
0: wouldn't lead with my full name no
2: absolutely rookie error here um, with, yeah. with a shorter message and question with the Lions tour seeing as, Austra- as Australia managed to get many fans into the stadium stadiums around the country for the tri-nations could it be possible for you to war game merely trend, uh, merely trading the 2025 Lions tour to Oz with the South Africa tour well there we go
1: so, so as in just sacking off 2021 yeah just Entirely. Swapping,
2: swapping them round I guess so oh, 2021 see. goes to
0: Australia and 2025 goes to... South Africa. New Zealand. Uh, sorry, New Zealand. South Africa, yes.
2: Yes. So he's outlined some benefits. Uh, stadiums, Australia has COVID under control, yada, yada, yada. Drawbacks, 14-day quarantine. And I think that's probably the all the drawback that we need.
0: Yeah. So uh, I don't know if either of you have seen anything from Rob Carney over the past few weeks, who has just travelled from obviously Dublin uh, to well, Perth. But as part of his travel to Perth, he had a mandatory 14-day quarantine in Brisbane where him and his partner uh, were literally locked in a hotel room. Did it have a balcony? In... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no balcony. What? No. So there was no balcony, no opening windows. They did not have a key to the door. They Jesus were locked Christ. in. That's and prison. They, that's they actual were, prison. That's unreal. It, it is. It is prison. And they paid. I think it was something like three thousand pounds each for the privilege oh my of God. Oh my doing God. that. Yeah. And they were just brought food for two weeks. And the frightening uh, part
1: is when, when this, um, uh, reading the comments in the, the Times today on the story saying pretty much that's coming to the UK, it, it was like more harder. Need
2: it more. Yeah, weird. It's uh, weird. Weird times. Yeah, people are odd. Um, I, I mean, I can't see. It's been. It sounds nice in theory. The problem is, you have got to unpick a load of commercial deals, a load of sponsorship deals. Yada yada yada. It's really bloody difficult. And actually, the fourteen days. I mean, fourteen days for the players is bad enough. It's undo. In fact, it's unworkable it, for the players, and it's yeah. certainly unworkable for me. If I've got to have two weeks off to quarantine, two weeks to watch it, and then two weeks to quarantine on the on you know back on this side of the, side of the planet. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jack, not flying. Yeah,
1: um, got uh, an email here. Who did you say that one was from? Jack Penrose. Oh, okay, cool. This one's from Jim Walker. I don't know if was there another one from Jim Walker. Yeah, there there was
0: another one from Jim Walker.
1: Oh, Jim, essential... Jim Central. We got a, we got a big stack of emails here. Anyway, oh, this is fine. So it's so a bath one. It's just. Um, oh no he says Apologies gents Another query There you go oh, That's fine I'll let you off I should have
2: stapled these <coughs> together Not
1: I've about. noticed that Baths internationals Have their country's flag On their chest Yes they were the first club To do that There are many mm. more Which do it now I like that as a I, touch. I do uh, As some other clubs do I also noticed that Anthony Watson Has a Lions badge I didn't notice that No I didn't I'm going to keep my eye out For that He says however Tau Lupe Doesn't have any badges Do you know why mm. That can't That can't That must just be A one-off mistake
2: yeah, must be, because that's what Baths do, isn't it? It's always been the Bath thing. Yeah. So what... Lupe
1: was Th- Fal- not going to say, nah, guys, don't want, don't want lions, don't want whales. Uh,
0: was and... it a
2: reserve shirt, maybe, or a sub-shirt?
0: Yeah, there's two things that would make sense to me. One would be he's ripped his shirt or got blood on it, and he's changed it at half-time, and it's a no-number. Or, which doesn't seem likely, but because of his Tongan heritage, he's decided he doesn't want... A Welsh badge, but I, I find well, I mean, that yeah. mm. highly unlikely.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, must be an aberration.
1: All right. Well, I'll go I'll go straight to Gav Hegarty then, as that was just a supplementary question. Okay. Uh, Gav says, love the pods. It's a regular for me every Monday morning, uh, uh, but I did take a few weeks off work over Christmas, so I'm catching up now. And in terms of the most valuable players you were discussing, you mentioned Andy Goode, Richard Wigglesworth, and George Smith, but I think you need to talk about Brad Thorne. In that category. Mm. Not a name we mentioned. And he um, he goes on to point out he's the most decorated rugby player bar none across two codes. And he did play in the Premiership for Leicester. Yes, so he did. But didn't get any silverware while he was here. But it's worth just reflecting on Brad Thorne's tally. In rugby league, he was a Super League and World Championship uh, winner, NRL three time winner, wow. State of wow. Origin two time winner, and played test matches for Australia as well. In Rugby Union, he won the MPC title twice. He won Super Rugby with the Crusaders. He won the Bledisloe Cup five times. Tri-Nations titles three times. World Cup winner, uh, an 87% winning ratio for New Zealand. Heineken Cup winner with Leinster. Yeah, Leinster. And Pro 14 with Leinster. So what we're saying
2: is quite good. He might be the most influential club player of all time. Interesting. I mean, I, did, I do right. think we said the Premiership, in fairness, but we'll take Brad Thorne all day long.
1: Yeah, I, I just, just were, it's just is nice to reflect on a, a legend like that. Go on and, then, and,
0: also, yeah, go on. and just to add to that, the Esportif Intelligence, which was the, um, the article, the, the Twitter account that um, prompted the whole conversation, they flagged that uh, of the combined leagues, Top 14 Guinness, Premiership and Pro 14, the second row position is the most valuable overall, with it being the single most valuable in the pro fourteen and the second most valuable in top fourteen and premiership. So that, that also stacks up. Not only is he the most valuable, he's also in one of the most valuable positions
2: mm. as well.
0: Mm.
2: Yes, quite. JB, um well, I have an email here from Eddie Head and he says, Greeting gents. No no Ed rugby. Head. I like that. Ed Head yeah. Ed Head, head. head. <laughs> Um <laughs> No no rugby. Looking forward to listening to the chat. Uh, and we are looking forward to having the chat. Now, <laughs> effectively, what he has um, asked, and he's made sure that we know that this is edgy because he's highlighted controversial and underlined it, but he wants to know about, with no teams relegated this season, should, uh, should this mean no teams promoted? Exceptionally tough on Saracens, but we keep hearing we are in exceptional times. And... Had Saracens not transgressed to the extent that they did, or had opened their books to escape a second punishment, they would not find themselves in the championship. It would be Leicester. Yes, it would. Appreciate Ealing have just beaten Saracens, but over a season? Hmm. Even in exceptional times, how can the RFU change promotion relegation criteria mid-season again? Well, we've just had this chat. Uh, on the, the last on the last podcast. On the yeah. last podcast. And I have an incredibly dim dim view on it. And it's not changed particularly over the last twenty four hours either.
1: I, I see yeah. what I see what Ed Ed is saying. Uh in as in as much as and, and I've I've got some sympathy with that with that thought process. The difference being, I don't think you can assume it's a foregone conclusion that Saracens win, even though they are heavy, heavy wow. favourites to to get promoted. And it wouldn't be fair on Ealing to change the rules, and no, and actually, do you know what Saracens are serving their punishment? So it's not fair on them either.
2: Wait a second. So, come March, the championships meant, meant to kick off. Yeah, but they can have no fans. So the championships say, "Look, we can't pay our players. We're not going to we're not going to open up the club. We're just not going to do this. We're going to arrange some friendlies." There's no championship. Meanwhile, Saracens have been playing um, Ealing and Doncaster. And because of this early loss and subsequent other losses, because Saracen thought of this as war- uh, this as a warm up event, what's actually happened is the only set of results that we can work off is this three way com- <laughs> competition launched by Ealing. It's even called like the Ealing Cup or the
0: t- Trailfinders Trophy or whatever. The it is. The
2: Trailfinders Trophy. This is the only thing. I mean, what else could we possibly go off? It's meant to be a performance up, up and down. So in that case, it's very hard to see I mean Saracens needs to be treating the Trailfinders Cup a little bit more, more seriously, because this could be the only thing that they have to hang their hat on, except for Nigel Ray's millions. Mind you, Mr. Trailfinders is not exactly poor. Yep. Uh, albeit his business is getting hammered. Yes, but I imagine there's gonna be a slight pickup of pent up. Demand for for travelling oh, as soon as I hope so. Yeah, as soon as bloody e- hope so. Ealing are able to play in the Premiership. People are travelling. Mister Trailfinders will do fine. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, who would you you know?
1: I'm not. Up, up? I'm not up for no promotion. I'm not. Up for, I'm not up for no relegation. But I'm not up for no promotion. Either you even wouldn't more. like to
2: see? I don't know. Leicester Tigers get relegated into the the Trailfinders Cup.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm against no relegation. Yeah, yeah. This completely change. But, but I'm, I'm against even more than that. I'm against no promotion.
2: Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, it's a, it, it is the naughty step. Mm. We need the naughty step. There, there we go. A
1: good point, well made though, Ed Head. Uh, Thomas Povey Afternoon to you, Tom. Tomo, the big T, T dog. Uh, he says. He says afternoon, gents. um obviously wrote this in the afternoon 12 minutes past 3 I'd say that's peak time for writing emails if you're doing a day's work that's sort of mid-afternoon little window of time when you're just sort of tying up loose ends a little bit in an office job that'd be a perfect time to email he says uh, a topic to wind up uh, non-England fans perhaps <laughs> if there were an England Saxons squad team where would they finish in the Six Nations
2: ooh that is a good good question so if,
1: if, if Eddie Jones just went right I'm giving the first team a, a year off because of the Lions and because of everything else going on. I, I'm just going to pick Saxons, going to pick all the young guns, second teamers in the Six Nations. Where would they finish? It's quite a good question, Tom.
2: Hmm. Where so, we... above Wales, I would guess. No. Oh, I would say. So what, in this current incarnation of Wales? All right. Flip it round. So of... They'd
1: beat Italy. They'd be above Italy. So They'd be at least fifth.
0: Yeah, I'm, that's where I am. I don't. I can't see them beating. Well, there's no chance they're beating France. No, nope. um, but England. But, but
1: England second, I... second team based on the the 28 man squad we picked in the last podcast. That that would still include in unreal players like the front row, for example, would be Beno Obaro, Tom Dunn, and Will Stewart. It would be like the Bath front row, and
0: you'd have uh... yeah. When when you say those names, I'm like yes, and then when you say. The bath front row, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but you would
1: have Sam Simmons and... Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, Lewis, Sam Simmons, Sam Lewis Ludlum and Zach, Mark Zach Mercer
1: Or Mark Wilson.
0: Yeah. You, you'd have some quality, quality players in ben, there. Ben
1: Spencer might actually get a pick. Um, Magic Marcus at, at fly half with Joe March and... and
2: uh, well, yeah, you could have Sam, someone Sam James. Like James. Sam James. Yeah. Simon Hammersley Molin Yard yeah <laughs> and uh, Adam Radwan <laughs> Adam Radwan uh, I think look if you put on a serious note if you put all the best players in England that are available I mean, Oli Devoto Ted Hill brilliant, brilliant player um, Ted Hill class if you put them all together and you said to Scotland Wales Italy pick what you want guys have what you want I wouldn't be surprised if half the team is made out of those excess players
1: certainly for Italy it would be a majority
2: yep Wales I mean no no disrespect to Johnny Williams whatsoever I think he's always been a a great um, a great talent it's great to see him back playing and I'm glad 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 he's with Wales where was he in the pecking order for England he's starting for Wales now
0: yeah same with uh, the Saracen Centre whose name's gone out of my head Nick Tompkins Tompkins yeah same with Chris Harris Will Rowlands yeah yeah I mean, there are um, a
2: lot of lads, a lot of lads. Mind you, Will Rollins is bloody massive. Yeah. I mean, he is actually he, enormous.
0: He is huge. How did,
2: I, yeah. How did he escape the attentions of England? I do not know. Yeah. You'd have Dave but, Ribbons and Charlie Yules as
1: your locks and stuff. So and you're right, you're right. England have got some serious depth. And uh, I think they'd finish possibly fourth... On a very, very good year, they could sneak third, but more likely fourth or fifth.
2: Well, do they replace England? That's a, that's a question, really. Because if they replace yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. Let's assume they're replacing England. Yeah, because that means that they sneak up a place, right? Because otherwise they'll have to finish below England. That made <laughs> no sense. So Fra- France would finish above them. Ireland. Ireland would finish above them.
0: Scotland would.
2: Scotland for me probably as well. would, yeah. Probably, yeah, absolutely they would, actually. And, you know, they yeah. could easily finish above Wales.
0: Poss- yeah. Yeah. Possibly fifth, possibly fourth, and is the answer. Certainly, they wouldn't. They wouldn't finish ahead of Gatland's Wales. Not Gatland's Wales, no.
2: The no. Gatland's Wales could be winning the whole thing. No. But PIVAX Wales, fair game. Yeah. What you got, JB? Um, well, you were just uh, implying that you'd like to know more about Ed Head. So, here is a supplementary, uh, a, a supplementary question. Uh, I just like he just likes to lay his cards on the table. Um, a girly back. Now we can't say girly. He he doesn't mean that literally before he, before you get angry. But he played in the mid 80s to to the mid to to the mid 2000s Yeah, let's let's
1: take that as as that's intended. Like a, a jovial, joshy, loving
2: um oh, I thought he hate, he hated women. I, I mean, I've read that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to discuss that. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway. Uh had opportunities to play against Dean Richards, John Wells, Steve Steve Steve, uh, Steve Brain. Um i just love i i just love the game as do we um anyway let's get into some current issues and and a discussion and i think i'm going to skip the current issues because we've got a lot to talk about uh and i think this is actually quite an interesting question but effectively why are there so many replacements introduced to the game well why
1: when were replacements? No, why? Yeah, so... no, no. I'm just oh, also going. I'm thinking when as well. Okay, so he just because initially it used to be, and there's a great the, 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 the great one is Graham Dore was the backup hooker for Brian Moore back in the day. Yeah, yes. During a time when only injuries meant wow. you could become a you could become a replacement. As a result, Graham Dawe. There was nothing in it, with really nothing in it between Brian Moore and Graham Dore. Graham Dore was in the England squad that got to a World Cup final, that won Six Nations tournaments, and his number of caps was tiny
2: because he, he was behind Brian Moore. Uh, same well, with um, Warren Gatland.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think in fact Warren Gatland never got a full cap. Wow. Even though he was on the bench for a number of years.
2: Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So actually, um, Ed does say this, as an old thought, back in the day there were no replacements, but one player was wasn't allowed on when, uh, when injured. Um, I wouldn't like to see that. I think it's a professional game and I think the impact of the bench is now really, really important. I actually enjoy it. I think more things that add more strategy to the game, the better. Mm. I would like to see, see us taken a step further and have rolling replacements, a fixed amount of rolling replacements. I think that then puts even more value on good coaching and strategic thinking. So
1: uh, along the lines of rugby league.
2: <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, there's a really interesting article that I read. And the reason I read it is because in TOC-H's league and in Broughton Park's league and basically all the lower leagues around, certainly the Northwest, we have rolling substitutes. So uh, for some reason, TOC-H had 5 Got got no idea why. At a high level, Broughton Park had three, as you well remember, and you could come on and off. And it was great... And the reason they do that in the lower leagues is so we can get as many lads involved as we possibly can. Anyway, um, I started reading how do you, about how do you use your rotations? Because there's obviously an art to it. I'm not the first person to ever have to deal with this. And in the NRL, they pose the question, do you want your best team starting a game? Or do you want your best team finishing a game when the majority of points, points, points are scored? Also, one of the intervals that you change, uh, change? like So should you change your, if you could, would you change your scrum half who runs the most miles 10 minutes before the half, keep them on 10 minutes after half, and then reintroduce your starting scrum half? What are your options? And I think that's actually a really important uh, su- subject and question. I'd
1: be up for less replacements it, and that potentially. Uh, one of the arguments for less replace, or fewer replacements, sorry. Thank one you. of the arguments for fewer replacements <laughs> is uh, to do with the the fatigue you get in players and that would change the shape of the players and that ties in with another hot button issue in rugby at the minute with concussions and collisions and such. And I would like to see anything that doesn't alter the game that we love too much but reduces the size of the players Mm. uh, that we love. And I think fewer replacements would do that. I wouldn't be against trialling to see how the rotation's worked because I think that if, for the reason you yeah. said that sort of power play element, the tactical element, the coaching uh, element it could make it quite exciting actually. I think shrinking
2: the- replacements to 5 would be quite good because I like to see players that can do various things, so a front rower that can do more than two, two more than one position, a back row second row, a half back, a generic back and then someone else.
1: What do you reckon Phil?
0: It's it's a very interesting question and I don't uh... I don't think there's been the amount of thought that we are, that we're even putting in now to this to get to where we are. I mean, the last change of replacements that I can remember was about 2012 or 2013 when they introduced the second prop. Yeah. And
1: it went um, from the, the, six to seven.
0: Or seven to eight. Seven now it's to eight. A six, it's, yeah. It's a five, five, three or six, two split now. isn't oh, Correct. It? Yeah. Um, yeah eight so yeah, replacements that, is a that's lot. the last change. Um, I I kind of I, I I like your point, Tim, on the um making the overall size of the players slightly smaller. Um and so I, I could get on board with having uh probably slightly fewer replacements and indeed if you had interchanges, that would probably have the reverse effect. Um certainly I, I think back to when I watched quite a lot of Rugby League, you used to have yeah. effectively two sets of props who were as big as they could possibly be and their job was to run as hard, straight and hard as they possibly could do for 20 minutes and then they'd have a 20-minute breather and then they'd be back on for 20 minutes and then they'd have another 20-minute breather. Big Willie Mason. Willie Mason, yeah, great example. A lot, all teams just had, they had two sets of props but they could only run around for 20 minutes at a time.
2: That said, may I ask, did you enjoy it?
0: Um, <laughs> good question. Yes. Uh, certain elements of it, Yes. Um, but but that, that's but,
1: yeah eight replacements and interchanges. I would not be for that at all. Yeah, five yeah,
0: that,
1: interchanges with five replacements or maybe potentially, even four potentially.
0: Yeah, the the strategy I do really like the strategy of well, when do you play your best players? When when do you play your strongest players? I don't like the uh, finishers or game changers or whatever you want to call them. I don't like that. I don't like the explicitness of that, even though. I'm totally on board with the strategy element of it. It's it's like I don't know, it's a bit of an Americanization, isn't it? it that, is, yeah.
2: But um, just just the, think about with our benches that we have at the moment, right? What would just happen if you started your bench and then you brought everyone on thirty minutes into the game? So you do it exactly the opposite way around. I wonder how that would how that would pan out. Because yeah, eventually so you, Go
0: your bench is kind of like a night watchman or like your starting play. They, they 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 take the edge off. They like see you out for 30 minutes, take the edge off and then you, then your real team can play.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about England, I, my criticism of England have been, they come out ferociously quick and they tend to punch themselves out. Well, I don't mind if the second team punch themselves out or, or, you know, <laughs> you know, the seven, seven guys they start with or you know, whatever it is. Um, and then you bring on toji and you actually. So this is this is my argument. Um, sometimes you don't use your bench willingly enough. But if you had an incentive to bring them on, and this is more of a low, lower level thing, you would do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. If your club captain sat on the bench, you would bring him on.
1: Uh, yeah. The, the the factor in this that I think I kind of I get what you're saying, but the the element in this is the opposition are playing for eighty minutes as well with exactly the same resources you have, so it shouldn't be. If one team is punched out, then it might just be that the other team has superior conditioning.
2: So think about this, Tim. Just just think about the, the like a graph of, um, of performance. You would assume, wouldn't you, if you had your first graph of traditional performance, it would start very very high and slowly tail off, and then come up a bit as as the replacements come on. Well, you're just flip, flipping that. So you would see. How yeah, you would see the you know you see the tail end of it at the start as it dip thirty minutes in, then you bring on your big gun. So you'd have your spike just before the half, mm. and then you got the half time rest, and then you fall at it for for forty minutes.
1: Interesting one, Ed. Started yeah, a good conversation, it, nice one.
0: The hmm. the other element of it, which Tim you you definitely touched on, is the injury side of it, and. There was a really good thread uh, a while ago now, six months or so ago, by um, Ross Tucker, um, who's heavily involved. We reference him quite a lot. He's heavily involved in World Rugby's um, injury awareness, injury audit type stuff. And he was putting the argument, or uh, raising the question really, as to whether injuries are more contributed by a power game, as in the fresher a player is, or the fresher two players are, when they're running towards Uh, each other, the faster the closing speed will be, therefore the more energy is transferred or more power and therefore the more injuries there are or is it a fatigue scenario where the more tired you get the more you play the weaker your joints and muscles are and therefore the more likely to get injured you are and in reality kind of the conclusion well it's it's both it's both have their part to play in this but the There's certainly um, a risk of greater injuries when you get more fatigued players coming up against fresher, more powerful players. And I think all of that, um, to my point before, there's probably relatively little um, thinking about the position that we've got ourselves into with eight subs. um, And it's probably something that could do with some intelligent understanding and thinking around well, what is actually best for the game for the spectacle but also for the for the injuries
1: yeah and um, eight replacements is not best for the game
2: Yeah. Now, before yes we... I tend to agree before we carry on just let me say thank you very much Ed um, I have picked up one question but he's raised multiple points great well, email and I've read, uh, well, I've read the whole thing keep, keep that in the file keep it in the file there you go uh,
0: a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: I've got an email here from. Hold on. Why is it not playing? Oh, there we go. Oh, nice. Lovely. That is nice, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I've got an email here from Don Fletcher, which isn't that the name of Flathead in Home and Away? Is it? Donald Fletcher, wasn't it? Don- oh, Donald Fisher. Uh, oh, <laughs> not Flathead. Never mind. Anyway. Um, he, said, he says, afternoon, chaps. Again. Afternoon. 4 p.m. Afternoon. There you go. You can tell. This one was written at 4 p.m. Seems to be the time. Uh, listening to your last mailbag pod, I thought I'd jot a few notes down about how we can improve the game in no particular order. Right, yes, so please. let's uh, let's not linger on these, but he says, one... Um, ban the Caterpillar Ruck yeah done no Ref- referees no. enforce the time as soon as the ball's available don't wait till it's at the back of a Caterpillar Ruck to say
0: use it done perfect
1: uh, implement the 50-20-20 rule uh... has it, it has been trialled right
0: it has no, it got, got trialled in it. Super Rugby AU I think
1: and did, 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 was there any conclusion about what impact it had if any
0: Uh. No, but there were some very loose and very exciting games, um, albeit a bit wild (laughs) from what I saw. Um, I'd I'd like to see it a little bit more, actually. Okay.
1: The the 50-22. We've said this one before. To win a not straight in the line-out from the referee, you have to actually get someone in the air. 100%! 100%. Yep. In, on. Yes. You can't... Not straight is irrelevant if you're not competing. Correct. Unless it's
2: outside the bound... There's a different standard, I'd say. So... If you're competing, it's down the middle. If you're not competing, it has to be within the confines of the I, line-out. I, I'd, I'd even go, I don't care. It's tough. You How can you complain about
1: where how straight or not straight the ball is? Because I could pass it straight to my nine. Because well, if you haven't got anyone in the air, then they haven't had a material advantage. It yeah, was yeah, un, an you, unfair material advantage. But you can't just throw
2: it to the nine. Yeah. It's oh, got no, to be no, caught. no. Yes, it's got to be caught it's in someone
1: to, standing in the line-out. Yeah,
2: it's got to yes. be within the confines of the outside <laughs> arms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah,
1: that'd be good. That'd be less scrums and more people in the air, which would actually create more opportunities for attacking. So, yeah, nice one. I'm with you there, Don. Um, there's, there's a bunch of these. But I'm just going to jump to this one. Um, oh, to ma- I love this. To make international windows more of a spectacle. And imagine this, building up to a Six Nations. Uh, but also, for Premiership or Pro 14 or whatever the tournament is, how much would you love this? Um, and I... I've actually suggested something like this to uh, guys at BT. Anyway, Ooh. I'd love to see some sort of combine where team t- where testers are sent to each camp to do, for example, max bench press, max squat, max chin-up, a Bronco. Uh, they could do height-weight measurements that are accurate. So these seem to be a joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing this would make viewing so much more interesting for the casual observer, and you would think you could get a sponsor for each event. For example, Duracell for the for the Bronco running a JCB for some of the strength thing uh, and bringing extra pounds into the sport. I love the way you're thinking, Don more than anything. I think of this. And as someone who works, um, you know, for BT, how cool would it be if just as a thing for, for, like you say, for casual rugby fans and just an interesting fact you know, a little uh, Benno Urbano makes a great run and you come back and you have a little graphic that comes up and says his max lifts. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so, so good, uh, wouldn't it?
2: Okay, so the reason I'm laughing, right, is because the NFL have some ridiculous ones. So uh, there's one about Calvin Johnson. So Calvin Johnson, the old... Megatron. Megatron, the old receiver for... Uh, <laughs> what a nickname. How did he get the name Megatron? <laughs> it's a great nickname. Um, the old nickname for the Detroit Lions wide receiver, right? Uh he was I don't know, six foot five, he had a vertical leap of some stupid amount, you know, he had a, a, a wingspan of something amount. So they had a graphic. What do you reckon that this graphic was to demonstrate, you know, what a good receiver he was? Uh, wingspan. Not qu- No. Not L- quite. length of his arms, I don't so, know. So judging by his vertical leap, his athleticism and the length of his arms, they put a picture of a Two car garage. So, so the idea was he he could cover basically this of a two car garage. So all the all the quarterback has to do is throw it in the vicinity of the of the garage, and you know that Calvin Johnson's going to come down with this ball.
1: That, I like that. <laughs> so he can jump high enough to get to the roof and can reach far enough to get to the side. That's cool.
0: Uh, did Did either of you see um, there was a, a Cristiano Ronaldo header about two years ago um, where? He was an ama- absolutely amazing header, but he leapt a huge leap. Yes. Um, and he got he headed the ball about two and a half metres off the ground, probably slightly more than that. Um, and there was a graphic on one um, <laughs> sports show that showed um, his head higher than the world record high jump. And it said Cristiano Ronaldo jumps 2.5 metres in the air and the world record high jump is 2.4 metres clearly not understanding that (laughs) only his head was uh, at 2.5 metres, but the whole body of the high jumper travelled over 2.5. It's such a ridiculous, ridiculous um, graphic to compare the two
2: things. It would be quite cool to have a a second row with such a large wingspan. It was basically the size of a very small single bond door. So you could could legitimately say, well, you can actually legitimately come up with that trope.
1: Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Here's Dave
2: Ward. He just needs
1: to hit the barn door. There, that uh, you know, you can we can argue about exactly how it's done, but that suggestion from Don Fletcher, I absolutely love the way he's thinking because we talk about trying to make rugby accessible for fans. I just think it's making it's it's just it's cool. It's just really cool. It's interesting. It's fun. Um, it, I mean, I'm sure there would be players who were amazing rugby players, but are not gym monkeys who might be embarrassed. What kind of and what, that's probably why this sort of thing hasn't
2: happened. What kind of fun things would you like to see then? Well, I, I think max lifts is is one great one, for example. Do you think it'd be cruel to tie
1: a, a 40 yard dash time like like the combine, yeah. a, leave- a vertical leap, a uh, how long your wingspan is exactly, or how? Um, I mean, in, in so, Maru Itoji's case, I'd love to know his shoulder width, waist width, because
2: yeah. that,
1: that <laughs> ratio is outrageous. So,
2: I, I don't know. Maybe this is cruel. I, I don't know. I don't know if we could get away with it in today's day and age, but it's certainly something I'd try. I would tie a rope round the horn of a baby rhino and I'd have Ellis Genge with like a tug of war <laughs> to, see, to see if he could pull the baby rhino
1: like the, the new incarnation of Brian Habana racing a cheetah. Yeah,
2: Brian Habana uh, racing a cheetah is right up there. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing
1: you could do. If you got the 40-yard dash videos of the fastest people, like Adam Radwan, Johnny May, uh, Lewis rees zammit you had that. You could then superimpose different animals running alongside them. Yeah. So you go, <laughs> you, he can run as fast as... Or to put it in context, this is how fast a cheetah runs, and is Lewis Reese Sammet. The, the cool stuff like that would be, I think, would be great.
2: Oh, do you know what happened to me, animal related, the other day, Tim? Gen- animal, animal related, genuinely happened to, to to me. You got swooped on by a seagull that nicked your chips. No, I collided with a badger. Um, what? Yeah, I was running in Charlton where we live. What? You were. Ru- I th- I assumed you were going to say you were in your car. No. You ran into a badger. No, I was running up the old tram lines in Pitch Black and then out of one side of the hedge this badger came out in front of me and I had to swerve to avoid it. I must have missed this badger by about 2 foot. Like what the hell is that? You you must have shot yourself. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> you I mean, don't want to mess with a badger. No you don't and I were you know I it seems, turns out they can run at 18 miles an hour after a quick uh, a, a quick search. The only reason I knew it was a badger is because it had, you know I could tell by its tail afterwards. It's big, big old thing,
1: squats. It's uh, like a it's like a dog um, crossed with a, the way they walk with the little squat legs. It's like it's a like, dog crossed with a devil. A dog cro- <laughs> cro- cross with, uh, crossed with a crocodile. Yes, like a doggerdile.
2: <laughs> Badgers
1: are doggerdiles.
2: Yeah, it can run eighteen mile, miles an hour wow. at top, like top sprint, which is only a couple of miles an hour slower than me. So, <laughs> so we could, yeah.
1: Anyway, thinking like that, I, I, I think it's brilliant. I think that's a fruitful avenue that rugby should go down. With Colliding with badges? Colliding with badges, yeah. Definitely. Uh, we've got another question there, Jay. Uh, I've run out um, of questions, be- but why oh, don't cool. we take
2: a break and
0: talk about our shirts? Go on, Phil. Oh, sorry. Well, be- before we um, go for another question or talk about the shirts, uh, I found some very useful information. Oh. Now, since, since I can't remember who it was, um, referenced that they've never seen. Uh, Talupe in with a, a Wales flag on his bath shirt. I've been trying to find Tulupe Falatow with a Wales flag on a bath shirt and I could not find one. Wow. So then I started searching for other players.
2: Right. I'm making it, I'm, I'm sending a text out.
0: Well, well, let, let me give you a full update. I could not find one. So then I was like, right, let's just check. I'm certainly do it. And I found Watson and Joseph and uh Matavesi with a Fiji flag. <laughs> can't to a Lee with a Samoa flag. And I was like, right, maybe it's Wales. So then I found Priestland with a Wales flag. And then I just, I must have looked at my 1,000th image of Falatau in a bath shirt. And I finally, finally found one of him with the gray shirt from about two years ago with a Wales flag on the chest. But it seems like a very, very rare thing for Falatau to be wearing a bath shirt with a Wales flag on it isn't he, that it, interesting it has happened it has happened I can confirm he at has least won- once at least once yes wow so this week- possibly only once
1: right so now we know that that is definitely a thing we're back on the case we will we will get back to you with an answer on that
0: but I've not seen anyone with a lion's flag or a lion's symbol hmm which is what it came yeah I would have okay. every badge on
2: there personally You'd have what, sorry? I'd have every badge on there, personally.
1: (laughs) And again, to give Bath credit, they were the first to do it. So, uh, fair play.
0: And it it looks great. It does. It really does. A lovely little touch.
1: Yeah. Uh, Right, back to the shirts. Patreon.com forward slash Egg Chasers. We humbly thank you in advance for your support uh, of the podcast. If you enjoy what we do, if it gives you any uh, enjoyment whatsoever, you can... Well, effectively, we've called our Patreon... um, subscription negroni so in in effect you can buy us a negroni uh in reality you can make sure jb does not have an embolism uh and we can pay we can pay someone to professionally do the sound for live shows when they return
2: exactly right exactly right
1: Uh, and in exchange we have um well you'll get priority access to live tickets which is one of the big focuses we want to have when we're able to again is get the live shows uh pre-game match day brunches at grounds around the uk and um and also we've got a shirt giveaway as well which we'll do in raffle form among patrons at, at, at regular and random intervals and the first one j i asked gave jb the challenge right we've got all these jerseys in the rugby dungeon let's give one away pick pick some prestigious jerseys that, that might be contenders what have you got jb
2: well the things that're just prestigious to me might not be prestigious well no that's nonsense everyone wants a tom brady 14 shirt <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, uh, or my Miles Benjamin shirt. I don't think I can ever give, give, give those away. I just don't. Uh, but we, we do have a range of others. Um, uh, and the thing is, I've got, almost all of them have got some sort of story attached to them. For instance, we always win, we, we always back ourselves at home shirts. The Chris oh. Rockshaw 2015 World Cup.
1: <laughs> yep. signed oh. Signed by the skipper himself.
2: And we've got.
1: We've got uh, you were so obsessed with uh, Benetton and Dean, Dean Bud that you got a Benetton jersey sent.
2: Yep, yeah, can't, have, can't have that one. That's, I that's stole,
1: well, not stole, I was gifted by Canterbury the, <laughs> the very last Japan Rugby World Cup 2015 jersey. Uh,
2: we've actually got two jerseys from the most inf- infamous season in tier tour history, the infamous cheat season. Yeah. Where, oh, no, it was season before that, or was it?
1: We've got a Chile yeah. jersey there, which was gifted to us by a listener in Romania.
2: Yep, who came from Chile to watch came us. from
1: Chile to to watch the live pod. And no,
2: all that, well, that was in Madrid. In no, Madrid. In Madrid. In Madrid. Yeah. yeah. So the we've got a Georgia match weight. We've got a Romanian match weight. The two jerseys they were wearing on the day of that game. Um, and we've got all of the Lions jerseys. Um, from the so when the uh Lions played the provincial teams in New, Z- New Zealand, we've got all of those up. We've got an Australia one. We've got Munster, we've got an old Brumbies one, we've got all sorts. So, oh, we've got Sevens, a Sevens USA one which is signed, but maybe the most valuable of all of all the jerseys I'm looking at it right, right right now. I mean, it's hard to it's hard it's hard to really put, in, put into words how valuable this is, and it's even harder to even reconcile the fact that I own it. it is a Newport Gwent Dragon's 2012 vintage. 2013 um, is, is it is it yeah a, a classic, the, the
1: year we began the podcast
2: a, a classic top um probably the most high profile sponsor i've seen discount tires um <laughs> and that is signed by the entire entire squad including many names tau lupe who we were just
1: talking about oh yeah uh, um, newport gwent dragons most capped player of all time lewis evans lewis
2: lewis evans can you believe lewis evans signed that shirt Yeah, um, um, it's uh it, it is quite hallamamos yeah, this is one of those seasons they didn't finish last in the table because of the incorporation of the two Italian sides. Yeah, so um, we think we're going to give away. That basically, this is. Well, do you know what? I, we, do you know what we should do? We should give away either
1: one of the most impressive sides to play a, 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 <laughs> yeah. a, a match weight lions jersey, or or the one of the worst club teams ever to play. The signed Newport Gwent Dragons jersey, like you got the you got the yin and the yang right there. The thing I like about your choice of the Newport Gwent Dragons is that is not one you will ever see worn because no one would
2: go, no one no. would choose <laughs> to wear that shirt. No, yeah, you want to, yeah. So we're going to basically rip off. Um, what was it uh, Saturday Saturday Morning Kitchen with James Martin, Food Heaven or Food Hell? So you can <laughs> so you can either have the good one or the bad one. Now the reason you'd want the bad one, like you say, Tim. Anyone can buy a Lions jersey, but you've really got to love something. And lots and lots of people do buy a Lions jersey. And it means nothing Mm. to them. But no one's wearing the 2013 Newport Gwent Dragons jersey, signed by all the players.
1: You, you You could walk into any rugby clubhouse anywhere in the world wearing a 2013 Newport Gwent Dragons signed jersey and people would go he means business he really really likes rugby <laughs> he must love rugby more than anything he must He must love rugby more than anything but more he, than his he, dignity not only has he gone out of his way <laughs> to buy an, a really niche jersey for an at the time terrible rugby team but he's got that jersey of a terrible rugby team signed by the, ter- by the players of that Evans. terrible rugby team Lewis Evans is on there
2: <laughs> I love it yeah So we will see. Those those are the two which we'll give away first. Um, I had something else to say about that, but it's escaped me, so never mind.
1: Well, if it pops back in your head, that's fine. Yeah. But uh, there you go. So uh, if you you enjoy us and you'd like to um, show us that appreciation and help us to uh, tee up all the amazing live events we want to do so we can come and see you and have a Negroni with you uh, when we're able to both... In both at home and abroad, tier two tours need to be resurrected. Um, that's the only tears I ever want to hear spoken about in the future. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Our, our tier two tours. So we are, uh, once again, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. And thank you to all the people that have already got in touch. Really, really appreciate it. So we'll make our draw for that shirt uh, in due course.
2: Indeed. I've uh,
1: got another question here. Please. Hold on. Hold Could- on, hold on. I'm just going to.
2: I've, I've run out of questions so can you give me some or you can read them all
1: oh i just rattle through them we'll, we'll, we'll rattle through these as quick as we can this one comes from Toronto oh fan of the Toronto Arrows Blair hello Blair he says um, oh he just says Happy New Year from Canada he, he's talking about um, like the COVID infections by rugby position actually and he reckons there might be a pattern you're probably right hear me now believe me later yeah
2: props obviously Yeah, it will be props. Yeah,
0: it kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah. The shocking thing about this is, if there's a position with with a BMI to be uh, vulnerable to it, (laughs) it probably is going to be there, isn't it?
0: Uh.
1: Blair, you're a good man. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Hi to Ethan. John Banfield, uh, who he says, hope you're doing well. How about a three-tier British and Irish league? 14 team premierships. No. With local conferences to foster local rivalries e.g. one with Bristol Exeter Bath um, Leinster a successful uh, Welsh region Munster and Worcester for example a 14 team mm. championship with the same made up of basically so so you integrate the two leagues together and then put them in two conferences but you geographically keep some rivalries
2: right uh, I'd need to say in action um, Initial thoughts on no. That. Um, that said, here is the danger, which we're going to encounter soon, is leagues like the Premiership, as um, precarious as it might seem right now, and the top 14, I think are going to start pulling away from the pro the pro-14. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the pro-14 sides are so reliant on their union to feed into the regions and the provinces and the teams so even though I say no I think we're going to have to grasp the nettle at some point because eventually European competitions aren't going to be viable because there's going to be such a gulf between the pro 14 teams the top 14 teams and the premiership teams so maybe they're going to have to go down that, that route at some point anyway
0: So I'm I'm not sure you'll see that gulf, or you might between some of them but just the, the set up that you've got behind the Irish, Irish provinces in particular, mm. is so good that the, the, the um, conveyor belt of talent that comes out of um, the setup like like BlackRock and the other um, yeah. colleges and academies that provide most of the talent for the Irish teams, there's too much talent there. They're too well organized, too well set up.
2: Can I just I, spend maybe two minutes explaining this a little bit better? That's okay with, okay with you boys, right? So, this is where I'm coming from. Um, the Premiership and the Top 14 all being privately owned and having increased revenues traditionally year on year, although we know about this year's TV deal for the Premiership. Yeah. As those leagues grow stronger and stronger and attract bigger wages, the problem that the Pro 14 teams are going to have is to match those wages to keep their stars in their teams and in the top and in the Pro 14 are going to have to be subsidised by the national team. Now, if the national team's income is not growing as fast as the privately owned league's income, and there's no indication so far to suggest that it would do, then at some point the economics are going to dictate that the draw to France and the draw to England is going to be too great. So this is why... Not to England, because there's a salary cap. Yeah, but that salary cap will go up. So so what will happen is as the French as the French league increases... The salary cap will have to grow to make sure the English players don't say, oh, do you know what, forget this. It's just, you know, that's just the economics of, of the situation. Where Whereas the Pro 14 teams, if they think they can get around this by having a league that nobody watches or really enjoys that much, but subsidising their players, staying in their country, using the national teams, well, eventually that golden goose is going to run out. And you're going to be, like Ireland are now, spending a bigger proportion of your income that comes into the union on professional players unless on grassroots than, say, the RFU do, who spend an enormous amount on grassroots and less on professional players. I
1: think I disagree. I think if there's growth in income, it's going to be from international rugby, not club rugby.
2: The the future's a few... Well, it looks to me at least, and I hope you... I don't know if I hope you're right or not. I'm kind of agnostic on the whole thing. But it certainly looks to me as that the top 14 in France is going from strength to strength to strength in income. And the Premiership, although it's not profitable, you can see the salary rises through, well, certainly since we've been doing the podcast. Now, if those trends continue, eventually the economic pull will be too great. And if you're draining the, your unions too much to pay professional players, what's what's paying into your grassroots?
0: I, I'm, I'm probably more with you, Tim. Uh, at the moment, I think the bigger growth is the potential of the the international game and i mean we have just seen the next four years of premiership rugby be, have curtailed salary so in 2024 mm. it will still be lower than it was in 2018 so that's a six year trajectory of of downward trend so but i'm i'm not sure of, yeah, we're going to see if you think that of that prediction in the club game
2: yeah but if you think of this right for the english players and the french players they have got their england money Right. And England don't make any less money than anyone else. In fact, they make a lot more money than They're anyone more. else. Right. Yep. So you've got you've got the England money and you've got the League money combined. Whereas the union money in Wales or Ireland or Scotland is going through to heavily subsidise almost all of their squads in their club game. And that's not sustainable because you'll see the top, the you know, top fourteen, and the Premiership, but eventually pull away. Now you're not seeing it right this second, but that is what will happen.
0: But again, you're you seem to be ignoring the Irish teams because the Irish Munster, Leinster, Ulster sell out pretty much every game, um, mm. whether it's European or um, well,
2: yeah, Pro European, fourteen.
0: So- they, they, they do not fit that model at all. Agreed. Basically, you're you're talking about the Welsh team and, uh, and then and a teams. bit of the um, Scottish and Italian.
2: Uh, yeah. So yeah, the Irish are certainly in the best place position here. But I, don't, I think even there, you're going to have to come to terms with the the Pro 14 needs to get much more competitive and needs to generate a lot more a lot more revenue. Has to.
0: I I, I don't disagree with that point, but I th- I think as in the league needs to get better. I think the Irish teams, unless there is a stark turnaround in the trends that we're seeing, uh, certainly in the Premiership, um, the Irish teams will be fine for a long while yet before that before that bites.
2: Mm, Oh yeah, a long while yet. But that's I think the trends. Look, that that, that's what I think. I think that the leagues in England and France are putting a lot of pressure on those unions to subsidise their club teams.
1: Uh, next email from Stu Hamilton Smith and um, Stu I'm going to summarise your email hopefully and do it justice Stu effectively says have we missed a trick just not having Elliot Daly as a 13 because he's um, there we go he, he's a Wasps fan and was a big fan of Daly when he was playing with them uh, and his first stint with England was at 13 and that's where he emerged and where he's primarily been and where Saracens I gather are intending to play him and um, Fast strong could read the game well cut through a defense strong defensive game howitzer of a left boot if needed off the tee it was Eddie Jones that played him on the wing initially and then at full back but he's basically just saying should Eddie Daly actually be a thirteen
2: well I guess you'd say should Jonathan Joseph be a 13 and not a winger so the problem in England they've got is they've got bloody loads of these players well so Jonathan excellent.
1: Joseph is a thirteen let's be honest he, he was played as as an auxiliary yeah. wing and but he has been a 13 his whole career.
2: I just think England have got so many, so many 13s that you want your best players playing. Is Eric Daly the best 13 though? Mm,
0: maybe. That's that's a good question because I, I I'm not sure he is the best 13 and I'm not sure in the last few years we've we've had any evidence that he, he is. And I'm not saying that he couldn't be, but he's hardly played there. Yeah. For for club or or country or the Lions. Um, which he obviously had um, test starts on the wing for the he Lions. played very
2: well on the wing for the Lions too. Um, he did. Just on Elliot Daly, do you, do you remember his his um, career-defining moments? Playing against England for the Barbarians at 15. Incorrect. Tim? Career-defining moment? Career-defining, the moment that he'll remember most. A long-range uh, pen for the Lions? Incorrect. It was showing me around Twickenham. So uh, he, was, he was in charge of showing a group of us around Twickenham, him, uh, Myler, Stephen Myler. Who who, who the other two England players that we had? We had them for about half an hour showing us around. Mako. Not Mako. Uh, I did interview Mako. You did
1: that. interview Mako and I'm, I'm not Welsh. I'm not Welsh. I'm yeah, not Welsh. Terrible
2: opening question. I've learnt a lot since then. Um, <laughs> uh, who was the? What head? was
1: the opening question you said to him that got the reaction,
2: I'm not Welsh, mate? Uh, so, judging by your voice, you sound pretty Welsh. Are you, are you regressing, not playing for Wales? Something like that. It was a ridiculous opening question. Um, <laughs> and you just turned <laughs> him against you straight yeah, away. Straight away. I'm not Welsh mate. you sound Welsh. Um, yeah. Uh, who's, oh, and uh, Matt...
1: yeah, that would that would have he might have seen the funny side if he if you had. A, I was laughing. If you had a sufficient Welsh accent that meant that he was going. Yeah, oh, true. you're clearly Welsh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That. Is, that. Yeah. That is true. And Matt Mellon. Matt Merlin was the other guy that. That showed us around. We are, like, those were our three England, England internationals before they had their always back ourselves at home World Cup.
0: I think I think I've just remembered his real career defining moment. Elliot Daly's real career defining moment. Make, and that it, is making a coffee uh, for Jamie George. Exactly, Jinxala yes. Daily Coffee Shop.
1: Jinxala Daily Coffee Shop. Yeah, I do love the fact that they're now living just up the road from each other and can well, <laughs> they well can. Well, because they because they're in a rugby team, they can still hang out. I I I like that that bromance. It's that's a that's a buddy cop movie waiting to happen. <laughs> Jinx <Yeah. alla> daily <laughs> good. Right, Nick Montgomery. Uh, I loved your recent section, boys, where you discuss radical tweaks in the laws to improve the game. For example, a knock-on is play-on. Obviously, here's one to discuss. Well, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> Where a defending team catches the ball in their own twenty two and calls Mark. This this is well, this is really radical, Nick. That defending team is awarded one point. This would still allow box kicks, but they need to be bloody good. Would reduce the frequency of crap kicking. May also encourage defending teams to drop players back, opening up some gaps for the team. How'd you like them, apples? That is radical.
0: that is radical i
1: can't go for points for a box kick but i do like that you're trying to solve what i do you're trying to solve an issue of changing the style of play and opening up more space
0: yeah the unintended
1: consequences if you could get one point for catching a box kick
0: well you'd end up not catching it and going for the lottery As in you'd never never mark the kick or you'd like volley it or something. (laughs) It would just be carnage.
1: No, no, so the the defending team are awarded a point.
0: Oh, wait, sorry. Ah, sorry. The defending
1: defending team get a point. So if you put a kick up, you you better put it in a position that means your player gets it and the defender doesn't. Well, Well, You you just wouldn't risk it, would you? You would not risk it. What would Rob
0: Baxter say about this? Uh, unintended consequences
2: okay so first of all people don't kick therefore the defences get higher and flatter more men in, in um, sorry not the defences the attack don't kick more men in the defence more sturged game
0: yeah um, you probably see a lot of grubber kicks or just a different type yeah. of kick
2: that's a good shout yeah you would actually so yeah you might drop someone two sweepers more than one
1: yeah that there is on the on the box kick thing. I do I do understand. It comes out. It's born out of a situation where risk reward is. Sometimes it's better not to have the ball and to try and make your opposition make yeah. errors. What what I so I understand why it happens. One of the things I really hate most is when you do a box kick. And it goes 10 metres forward and you regather the ball. And there's an element where I go, what the hell was the really? point? So what was the point? I've only got 10 metres. Yeah, but it's not really, is it? It's no tangible, real ta- All right. um, territorial game. 100 times. Yeah. Yeah, 100 times. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, 100 metres. Well, t- t- <laughs>
2: um, so, uh, okay, so let me just explain this a, a little bit. So there's a few reasons you see these box kicks, particularly on the extremities of the field. Number one is, if you think about it, you're playing from the extremity of the field and you're about to whip it to your fly half or or whatnot. If you're really close to the touchline, which is where most of these box kicks occur, very rarely do you see them in the middle of the park. You're faced with a situation where the opposition know the direction of the play and they're going to blitz you. So it's the strongest defensive position for the opposition to be in. Oh, no, I understand. Yeah, so I'm just putting some context in. So so that's the first bit. The second bit of it is, I think a well-executed box kick and a, a good chase is one of the best things to watch in rugby because it makes that landing an absolute lottery. So not only do you need to drop your man to catch it, you probably need to drop somebody else to make sure it's not spilt everywhere um, or to help him out. Because yeah, last thing, clean you, out. Yeah, because the last thing you want is Josh Bassett, who is excellent at this sort of thing, nailing your guy. They're on the front foot. The next guy cl- cleans over you've lost the ball and in a time of defense has been super stingy and organized how do you do you unpick, pick a defense cause chaos and that's why oh no i understand why
1: i understand why they done. I, and i think going back to the caterpillar ruck thing i think if if there wasn't the sense and the literal fact that you're stopping the game down and the momentum's being sucked out of it every six rucks then i think you'd you'd be absolutely fine with it but when that is the consequence or that is the end product of a really drawn out process of a caterpillar rock, and
2: yeah, you're right. Look, well, the caterpillar rock, we're not going to agree on, I don't mind them, but I oh, do, a, do a caterpillar see. rock if you want, I haven't got a problem. But uh, the
1: five seconds that is in the law book should start when yeah. the ball is available, yeah,
2: yes, that, yeah. But then you get referees fudging when it's available, don't you? Yeah, I'm yeah, re- yeah. Yeah, it, it's difficult because that is the frustration fans. I don't think fans are that frustrated with the box kicks. I think they're frustrated with the, what they perceive to be the talentless nature and the pointlessness of, of the Caterpillar, Caterpillar Rock. Yeah,
0: agreed. Yeah, I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sean Mulcahy, I'm really sorry if i have got that wrong. That's not really elevator music, but I'll go with it. <laughs> It'll um, do. Oh, it's all right, there you go got the organ back in Perfect. Um, that's, right that's what she said <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> <laughs> his uh, this I think some people have come up with a, a variation of this a lot of people will will be with you Sean on this one his solution for the premiership first of all you bring Saracens and dealing up next season with no current team being relegated, making it a four-team team league. Split into two conferences, A and B. Newcastle, Exeter, Quins, Gloucester, Northampton, Wasps and Ealing in A, for example. Sale, Bristol, Irish, Bath, Leicester, Worcester, Saracens in the other. Each team from conference A slash B play teams in their conference home and away and play the other team once a season, alternating home and away each season. That means there's 19 regular games. The top two in each conference advance to semi-finals. Uh, the winners advancing to the final the bottom team in each conference play an eliminator game and the loser of that game then plays the team that finishes top of the championship mm. and the two teams that either f- the team that finishes bottom and the team that comes up do not do not play european rugby the, f- uh, the next season it means 3 less games in the regular season better for player welfare Keeps the trepidation of relegation and no European rugby for finishing bottom of your conference, while it also keeps the incentive and possibility of promotion for championship clubs.
2: It's definitely a better option than ring fencing. It's not as yep. pure as relegation, but it has it. It's not as good as the naughty step. <laughs> I, I, That's probably
0: very close to, uh, in my head, what is the most sensible solution? I, I think that that is a, a fairly complete... It's not perfect, but given all the constraints and all the limitations, I, I'd be fairly happy with something similar to that. If I was going to critique it, um, the uh, playoff game for promotion relegation does mean that you've got a very late decision on who's going up and who's going down there for budget signings all the rest of it, yeah. um, which can cause an issue. But I guess if you're building a team for longevity rather than short-term gain, then that should have less of an impact. So overall, I'd be fairly happy with that if that was to be announced as the solution. I could I could take it.
1: And I quite like the thinking of that. It's not just there's relegation, but you finish bottom of e conference, but stay up. Well, you're still getting hit. You're still getting a No, no European rugby. There's still a. You better not want to but be that... down the bottom and mm. down the bottom there.
0: But there's there's that's an interesting thing because there's positives and negatives of that. You can run a... So you don't get the money, but you can run a smaller squad for a year. And you also don't get the batterings that you get in Europe. And you can rest your squad better the, that year yeah. when you're not in Europe. Like Sale, for a good number of years when they were operating on a much smaller budget, and we've said this many times, they would go... 6th and then 10th and then 6th and then 11th and 6th and then 10th because every other season when they're playing in the the lower um european competition they could compete in the league and when they were playing in the higher european competition they were just trying to survive
1: and the time the number of clubs that you see that it they work so hard to get into the champions cup and they go yeah we finished yeah yeah and then let's put out our b team against uh munster Let's, yeah, uh,
0: well, Munster be, away and Claremont <laughs> away. No, thank you.
2: <laughs> well, to be fair, they probably go out with the best of intentions. Game one, by game two, they are down to their B team. After you've been, been away to Claremont, that that is probably it. <laughs> That's a fair point.
1: Can't argue with that. Uh, there, there are more
2: emails as ever,
1: but I think I'm going to keep those in our file for future podcasts because I think um, I think we I think we've come to the end of our energy and will at this point, and um, you. you so much there that was br- brilliant but the an opportunity for you to get in touch with any more questions thoughts starting points topics stories can not can we get some stories tour stories game stories anything uh, clubhouse stories bus trip stories kangaroo court stories i'd, lo- I'd love to get any of that stuff that uh, that you might have so contact at at gmail.com and uh, we'd love to feature you on the next one of these little q and a pods that we do um
2: you're right there jb yeah, I'm watching uh, a man fly over fly an aircraft carrier. So that kind of does show that this is the end of the podcast, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I'm going to go and listen to some more sea shanties. Yeah, rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, that's but, the first thing that you can put put on the put on the Patreon. Put on the sea shanty.
1: I'll put on the sea shanty. If you
2: want that sea, sea shanty? It's on the Patreon. I'll do it. Patreon.com yeah. slash eggchasers at rugbypodcast on Twitter.
1: Contact eggchasers at gmail.com.
2: Let the boys play. Let
1: no the boys play.